Nobody warns you about the potential relationship pitfalls that occur after the arrival of children. You may seem prepared with the nursery items, daycare options, and the state-of-the-art crib, but have you prepared for the added stressors to your relationship? Hi, I'm Miranda, a Gottman-trained couples therapist. And I'm Aaron. I work in the financial industry, and Miranda and I have been partners for over 20 years. And we've had our fair share of ups and downs ourselves sure after have. becoming parents. Join us as we sit with couples sharing their experiences of how love has changed since the transition of children. Whether you are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, already have children, or experience loss and infertility, this podcast will showcase authentic, real couples, just like yourself, who are navigating love after lullabies. I will also share communication tips and tricks from my experience of working in private practice for over 10 years in the state of Oregon that can help maintain and even improve your relationship. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you get something out of today's episode. Today. (laughs) (laughs) On today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Carly Fleming. She is a postpartum nurse and co-founder of Fourth Trimester Foundations, which is an amazing organization where they help moms um, during that fourth trimester after baby is born and getting to the nitty gritty and talking about all the things that happen during that time and what to expect and just have a place where new moms can talk about some of the struggles that happen after after childbirth, some of the, the nitty gritty, the things that we don't really like to talk about. And honestly, the things that really wasn't mentioned to me and my kids are still relatively young. I hope that you get something out of today's episode. Also, don't forget to take a look at the show notes for all of her contact information if you'd like to look into more of what she does or if you want to seek some of her services. With us today, we have Carly Fleming, who is a a postnatal nurse. Is that the correct Postpartum. Postpartum oh, nurse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have your own business with a friend of yours and you really focus on um anything that's postpartum with the with the baby. Um, and it's called uh Fourth Trimester Foundation. So thank you so much for being here. Be here. Yeah, we're really passionate about it. It's not something we started for money. It's something we started because we care and because we're moms and because we know there's not enough support out there. So that's why we wanted to be that support that we didn't have and a lot of our friends and our patients don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually one of my questions of um, what, what brought you to this field? It sounds like there was a lack of support after baby arrives. There's like nothing. It's, it's crazy actually. Um, so I started as a nurse, something totally else. I was a cardiac nurse. I was an ICU nurse. I was a hospice nurse, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then I went oh, back wow. to ICU. I loved all of them, but I didn't feel like it was me. Um, and then I had my son about five years ago and I was like, you know what? I can be a nurse. Like I want to do this. I want to be a nurse for moms after they have their babies. Cause it is such a vulnerable, messy, but like still beautiful time and like transformative. Um, so I was working as a postpartum nurse. Um, and after a couple of years, I started to realize things that were overarching themes for every parent, um, 
basically not realizing what was happening to their body. And like, it was a surprise and it's not a surprise to me, not just because I had a baby, but just because I do that for work every day, but it shouldn't have to be a surprise, right? Like there's some things that right. are universal about having a baby, um, no matter how you have a baby, cesarean, vaginal, something in between that are universal. Like you're going to have postpartum bleeding, no matter what, no matter how you had your baby, um, you're going to have an insane hormone rise and fall it's like menopause not over a couple of years over a couple of days like there's so many things yeah. that are really eating struggles however you feed your baby breastfeeding bottle feeding formula feeding combination um all of those things that are universal and so many parents just were completely surprised by it and we're like you shouldn't have to be surprised we want you to enter into this feeling like you are confident or at least know where to turn to for help or support similarly to what I do is that this big surprise of um, what this does to relationships and like everything that you mentioned, like I was under the assumption, oh, my baby's born, like breast baby to your boob and like instincts take over and it's super easy. And oh my God, that was probably the most difficult, challenging thing for me personally. For you, what was your experience like being a new mom? Okay. So my postpartum experience was different than I, my first, my second time, my first time I was a postpartum, I was not a postpartum nurse. I'm sorry. I was just a regular nurse. So I was kind of in it for the first time, kind of unsure of what to expect. Um, I had a doula, which was amazing. I had a doula for um, end of pregnancy for the birth and for postpartum and lactation support. So I feel so blessed that I had that. I think a lot of it stemmed from a place of anxiety about unknown about what happened in motherhood. I didn't really have a lot of friends who had kids, so I didn't really know what to expect. And the kind of the underlying anxiety um, carried over pretty well <laughs> into postpartum. And I, the first couple months of the baby's life, I was just, you know, doing the feeding, sleeping, like all of the things I was really hyper focused on. And then I kind of realized when I was returning to work at around like four months that that was postpartum anxiety. Um, not that it had to be that way, but um, I know some people have anxious tendencies and they don't have postpartum anxiety. But for me, I did have postpartum anxiety. I just didn't realize it until um, it was like one big moment when I was returning to work, had like a panic attack at work. I'd never had one before. And I was like, what is happening to me? Am I wow. dying? So like it was tough because I was um, a nurse working shift work. So I was working night shift and trying to pump and be a nurse and caring for other people while you still had to care for yourself, care for your baby. So it was, it was hard. Um, I think the, the, so the PMAD, so the uh, postpartum or perinatal, but for me, postpartum mood and anxiety disorder, part of it was the biggest shock to me because I didn't hear about it enough. And that was five years ago when I think there's a lot more out there now about um, mood and anxiety disorders postpartum, but I feel like five years ago there wasn't um so I was kind of embarrassed by it or didn't really realize like I never thought I think I have postpartum anxiety I just thought man this is kind of making me crazy or like I should be happier I should be grateful but I don't feel grateful like I was feeling all of those things rather than I think I have anxiety you know so that's kind of what was a lot of the first couple months of my baby's life but I still very much enjoyed it um bonded all of those things so it doesn't have to be either or there can be some kind of combination of the um, both. And that's um, kind of what it was for me. Yeah. And I think so much is it's attributed to like, oh, it's just lack of sleep. Like you're sleep deprived. That's 
that's the explanation as to why you're feeling the way you are. <laughs> so it's nice to have so much more, you know, information out there and, you know, getting this, you know, yeah, normalizing it so much for, for new moms and couples. Did you notice any changes in your relationship with your partner after the arrival of baby or any challenges that came up? Um, I'd say we realized how, who was the person that needed sleep the most? Um, like I didn't realize how sleep sensitive I was, um, until, um, I had my baby and I didn't realize how, how good he was a little amount of sleep. Like I was very impressed. I was like, really, I know you love sleep, but like, you're doing really well today. Also, you're not like feeding another human from your body. So like, it's hard to say. Um, but I think we were better about, I was better about, um, delegating tasks and trusting that they were going to be done and even if they weren't like done the way I wanted them to be done as long as they were done um that was something that I had to kind of let go of and I won't say this is something I just started right away and it worked um but also I'm a list person like hello type a um and I started making lists of things that needed to get done like not necessarily a, you cross it off and it's done like a recurring to-do list around the house um, and that was kind of a good thing, not just for my partner, but for other family members who came over um, to kind of be like, oh, Smart. What can I do? yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. Nothing like, oh, actually, I think there's some laundry. I'm not sure. Even though you like, no, rather than asking, saying like, can you do laundry? Just being like, oh, I think I don't know if the clothes are still in the dryer or not. Like, can you check doing something like that? Um, but again, me saying this five years later, it didn't feel like this easy or this like free or easy going in the moment. So so you have been doing this work for how long have you guys been in the practice? About a year, a little over a year. I've, like I said, I've a postpartum nurse for about five years. Um, this was a shower thought for trimester foundations. Like, I feel like that's, I don't know if I'm, if you're like that too, but yeah, I yeah, have totally. so and then I like feel like I literally have a dry erase marker and I write stuff on my mirror like like a crazy person when I get out of the shower um if I have good ones um but this was one of those I was about to work night shift and I don't know I think one of my friends just had had a baby I don't even remember who I'm just texting me questions that I'm like I kind of told you this ahead of time like you didn't have to wonder this now like I could have told you this before and then I was like kind of like a childbirth class but not a childbirth class for after like a post-childbirth class, I guess. Um, Cause the partner, your partner should have this knowledge too. It doesn't have to be something that's kept inside of you. Um, your partner's going to be helping you picking up the slack in so many ways. Like there's a lot of partners that go to the bathroom and help moms change their pads and stuff. And like, you don't have to be, if that's something you're comfortable with, like, and your partner's not going to pass out because you don't need that either. You don't need to be dealing with your pulling up your underwear while your husband is passed out on the ground. But there's so many ways that if people just understood the struggles that they could help pick up slack in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's so helpful to like have it be normalized, but also have the partner understand some clear things of what, what they could do to help. Because I think so often, especially fathers, you know, in heterosexual relationships, I, I notice that fathers are just kind of at this place of like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And then that sometimes there could be a tendency to pull away, which is not, not what you want. <laughs> during that time. Resentment too. I felt that along with the relationship question that you asked earlier, like resentment that 
there's not a lot my husband could have done to help calm the baby down or like care for the baby because I was doing a lot all of the feeding for baby since I was breastfeeding at the time um and the sleep stuff I felt like since I was breastfeeding I could help calm baby down easier like all of those things I felt like there wasn't a ton that he did but I still found one thing that he was really like good at he really was like calming the baby down like getting him to sleep um he was really good at so honestly I let him run with that however he wanted to calm baby down he made up these silly songs it was like bouncing on a like exercise ball that I use in labor like all of these things he was doing and it was like their special time so I feel like partners have a harder time connecting with baby sometimes because they don't really they don't do much other than have those basic needs and there's not a ton of like bonding other than just like skin to skin, um, which babies like to do with like the mother or the birthing person a lot more than they do with the partner um, because it smells like yeah. home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember some advice that we got from a family member when we first shared that we were pregnant and he was like, well, you know, it's going to be get ready for not a whole lot until they're at least six to eight months old. <laughs> speaking to my partner because of that same difference of bonding and what that, what that looks like for, for the partner who carried the baby or birthed the baby for rather than the other partner. For sure. And yeah, tell a little bit about, you know, some of the, the work that you guys do in your practice specifically with like some of the patients that you work with, like, is it more of a group, um, more of one-on-one? We like to do so we love, we do both. Um, I think what we like the most is answering these, the questions, like we like educating as generals, like the big thing that one of the biggest, like parts of our content and stuff is comparing the wound inside of your body to put in perspective, like how much your body needs to heal. Cause people don't realize it. Like it's all internal stuff. Like literally there is a dinner plate. I don't have one with me. It's eight and a half inches in diameter, a dinner plate, this size inside of your body, where you're bleeding from. Like people don't, realize that. And I think once you realize if I had this wound, like on my chest, no one would ask me to like lift a finger, but here I am caring for a baby and going to the bathroom and still paying the bills, writing all the thank you notes, which you don't have to do, but writing all the thank you notes and all those things, you can't see it, but you're feeling a lot of cramping, a lot of bleeding. So reminding parents, especially like second and third time parents, because every postpartum experience is different. It's not just for first time moms, which I think everyone's like, Oh, I already had a baby before. I don't have to, I already know everything that's going to, um, a big part of our class is C-section care too. Um, because a ton of people plan on having a C-section. Um, you know, if your OB or midwife said you needed to for reasons with the placenta or anything like that, but not a ton of people have a C-section for the first time, like just planned. Right. So that's one thing you really can't prepare for that much, but Um, it's major abdominal surgery. Like all of these layers in your abdomen are cut. And it's huge. And your healing is ginormous. You still have that giant wound inside of your body and the wound on the outside of your body. So there's like two of them. So a lot of our class is preparation. So you know what to expect. So when it's happening, it's not as surprising. We're not expecting anyone to memorize anything or mnemonics or anything like that. It's just to hear it. Exposure, not memorization is what we say. That in the group setting, because it's pretty universal for most types of births. Um, and then we love answering questions. Like we talk oh, about the grossest right. things. Sometimes <laughs> people ask so embarrassed, like, um, I don't want to bring it up, but like, what about poop? I'm like, oh, we love talking about poop. And then nice. we talk about people are like, people are embarrassed to bring that kind of stuff up. Like some, the, when we bring mom to the bathroom for the first time, that's one of our favorite moments because it's just so 
it's vulnerable and it's hard for new moms to go to the bathroom for the first time and feeling exposed. But we like to diffuse that and just with a little bit of humor, but also just like a lot of love. We just kind of take our class the same way. Like we know it's hard for you to talk about and hear about some of this stuff. We want to be the person to be able to help you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, that's awesome. (laughs) We do a lot of our one-on-one stuff is focused on breastfeeding um, or baby feeding. So a fun fact is you don't, a lactation consultant or an IBCLC is for all kinds of baby feeding. So if you don't ever plan on latching your baby at the breast or giving the baby breast milk, and a lactation consultant can still help you. That's pretty universal. And your, your breast milk still comes in, even if you never, ever want to feed your baby from the breast, it still comes in a lot of times. So we do a lot of breast care stuff and baby mm-hmm. feeding and studying to be a lactation consultant. Hopefully next year I have to take nice. the exam, but a lot of it is like the sleep stuff. So we're not sleep consultants, but we have a lot of connections in the sleep community. So help with baby sleep and schedules, if that's your thing. That's most of our, the one-on-one stuff is what we like the most because we say we have the pretty much the same spiel to all of our patients like every time which we it doesn't make it less meaningful but we like being challenged a little bit and talking about different stuff and coming up with solutions yeah yeah that sounds great and like you said every every birth is totally different and the experience afterwards I've noticed a lot of like you mentioned there's a lot of unplanned c-sections that occur how that affects you know not only the mom but also the couple as a whole and I've you know speaking with men who are equally as traumatized or traumatized in their own way. Is that something that you guys find that comes up kind of regularly for you guys of things that you manage or help couples and new moms with? The couple part of it, we'd love to do, but that's not something we've been like really had in our scope yet. So mm-hmm. if we found be referring them to you, um, <laughs> talking about the background with the partner and just kind of hearing their their birth experience and their birth story, like from the partner's aspect of it too. Um, Cause just kind of like talking about it and naming parts of the birth early on are really important. I try to make a big point in the hospital for births that were different than the couple had planned or just tough in other ways to kind of just like ask them about it in a very open way to be able to like fill in those gaps for them. Cause they know in like birth trauma healing and stuff, being able to feel, fill in those gaps, um, are huge. Cause I know you can get your medical records and stuff and maybe kind of put the pieces together that way, but that's tough to do too. Like it's better, I think, to fill in those gaps if they want to hear them early on. So that's something I try to make a big point to like some moms, if they had tearing, had no idea what kind of tearing, and that doesn't make a birth traumatic necessarily. And it's all, it can like just knowing what degree of tearing they had is like a great place to start. If you want to know that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause it's in degrees, <laughs> you know, like second, third degree. What does that, what does that even mean? I don't know. What are kind of your, do you have any aspirations or hopes for the, for the business or the practice? Um, too many. That's the problem. So we're based in New Jersey and we're both moms. We have little kids. Like I mentioned, I have a five-year-old and I have a two-year-old. She has two little ones and we're probably going to have one or both of us going to have more in there too. So I think our first goal is to be able to find our, align our passion with our families a little bit better because it's tough when you're starting a new business to go all in on one thing and let something else suffer and then make up for it and swing the other way. So our first goal is to get a really good work-life balance. We would love to have some kind of space, whether it's like we rent, we buy, we just like 
do at a coffee shop or something once a week, just have like a community of moms to just talk about all of the stuff and have built in friends who, you know, are on the same journey as you. That is something I had five years ago with my little one. And I still am very close with a lot of those parents. It just makes you feel like you're not alone because postpartum, maternity leave, all those things, you can feel completely isolated because there can be days that go by that if you have a colicky baby, a baby that doesn't sleep, like you don't feel comfortable breastfeeding in other places. Like there's days that can go by that you're just stuck in the house and you see like your cat and your husband and that's it. Like days can go by easily like that. But even if you don't see them in person, just kind of having their number to easily text or like snap a picture of a diaper, be like, do you see that blood in there? Is that blood? I don't know. Like all of those little things that are just tough in parenthood to have a a tribe. I don't like using that word, but like, that's kind of what it is. Like have a community or a tribe that you trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that got me through so much just having, you know, I had a a couple of girlfriends that I could just be completely transparent and vulnerable with. And I knew that there was no judgment and I could just, you know, send pictures or talk about poop. The amount of times we talked about poop was just astronomical. Um, But also just the moments of like feeling just not good enough and, you know, feeling like we're failing as a mom and so needed to have that like circle of support around you to help get you through like the fourth trimester, like the hard times longer than 12 weeks. Like it's not just those 12 weeks until your baby's three months. And then you're like, Oh, I'm out of it. I'm good. Like it can take years to feel like you are in a place where you feel like comfortable in your own skin and your own like brain, you know? Yeah, definitely. What is the biggest, the biggest challenge that you've seen with your new moms, new moms or new couples, like things that you've noticed of like, this is, this is really common. I know that might be difficult because everyone's just so different with their experience. I would say overwhelmingly sleep that is, it's hard because you don't get to sleep a lot during the end of your pregnancy. So you go into it, into labor exhausted. And if you're laboring, you're up for at least a day or two. And then your body is healing and, or your baby is using you as a pacifier or just, it's hard to sleep. And your partners can sleep a lot more than you can, um, oftentimes. So balancing that the workload in that way, so sleep deprivation, and it's not just in the beginning, right? Like they have growth spurts and they have sleep regressions and there's all of these things that come up. It's not like you get over that hump and you're good. Some babies will sleep in bed with you, like co-sleep for like years, you know, like it's, there's, it's so different, but it's universal that every mom is tired and every mom had a really rough beginning with sleep. Hmm. I'd say pelvic floor stuff is a big one. It's a lot more talked about now, which is good. Breastfeeding can make it difficult for your pelvic floor to feel like it's anywhere close to normal because all the lingering hormones. Oh, wow. So a lot of, you get one, you sometimes, most moms get one six week checkup. Sometimes you get a two week and a six week, but like sometimes you just get that one. If you talk about birth control, some kind of birth control option, you talk about how you're feeling emotionally. Goodbye. And there's yeah. no talk about anything else you're experiencing. Oh, you're laughing. Oh, you mean you're peeing when you laugh. That's normal. You're breastfeeding. Oh, when you jump, you um, are peeing. Oh, that's normal. Oh, you feel like there's still like when you poop, you feel like you're not like empty. Oh, that's fine. You're breastfeeding. Like you're still early. It's wow. okay. A year. Then you wait a year and you go back in a year and it's kind of like a part of you now. So you're like, okay, well, this is just what I do now. Those things are common in new moms, but they're not normal. So pelvic floor physical therapy or pelvic floor, just awareness is a big one. Wow. And yeah. Like, it happened to your perineum or like that area, postpartum hemorrhoids, tearing, swelling. There's so many things that we could go into on just that. We could do a whole episode on that. 
Yeah. Both. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because there's this almost like forced acceptance of, oh, you pee a little bit when you jump. That's because you're a mom. Like that's because you've had kids or whatever. And that's just like, that's just how life is now. You know, I have, I have a dear friend of mine who is really um, suffering from a lot of pelvic floor challenges and it's even after surgeries and things like that. And it's, again, there's no like, there's not a lot of talk about it. So it's nice that it's starting to come up in the forefront and exercises and actual things that we can do, you know, I'm assuming to help alleviate some of those symptoms. And it's like through insurance, like the end is a good time. If you had your baby in that year, you probably met your deductible. So then's a good time to go to see a pelvic floor physical therapist that's in your network. Some of them do like telehealth to you. Like you go for one appointment, then you can do telehealth for the next few and then go back. Cause a lot of them, you can bring your baby. Megan and I, when we first started like about a year ago, we went to pelvic floor PT together, like not in a weird way, but just like to show moms, like we we're going, like we're doing it. She brought her little one, um, when we went and, um, yeah, it's not that scary. Like it's one of those things that it's can be so awkward for you, but the other, your therapist does not, it's nothing to them. It's nothing. It's just yeah. another, just another one. <laughs> yeah. Not all pelvic or physical therapy has to be internal too. There's a lot of work that can happen at your hips or like your sacrum area or just kind of talking. So there does not have to be an internal exam or internal assessment that's done. That's another point that I think people don't realize too. Yeah. That's good to know for sure. I also see a lot of the same six week mark, you know, when they go in for a checkup, is giving the green light of being sexually intimate with your partner and just the amount of stress that can cause, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. Just drink the glass wine. You'll be fine. That's basically the advice you get, right? Yeah. It's not very helpful at all. It's like, okay, there's still, you know, I, I can't even imagine like looking back to that moment for me after having both my kids, like six weeks, I was still like, I was still healing and there's no way I felt anywhere wanting to be sexually intimate with my partner. That just didn't sound appeasing at all. Yeah. It's crazy. I, at the hospital, when I give people discharge instructions, I say six weeks is nothing. It is literally a date on a calendar. It means nothing in terms of your healing. So do not think that date means anything intercourse does not have to happen after that six week mark. And I like, look at the partner. I like make it a point to like, say like, I see you, you need, we all need to be on the same page here because, and communication and intimacy does not have to be, I know you know this, but does not have to be just intercourse. Like there's so many other parts of it and being a new parent can bring you together in insane ways. Like you never knew you loved your partner as much as you did after you had your baby. Like you thought you loved him a lot times a hundred seeing them be a father. Yeah. I, well, I breastfed my first baby, um, like latched my baby at the breast for like 14 months. I was very, I felt very blessed to be able to do that for him. My second baby. And I was then my second baby. I was a postpartum nurse. I like knew all this lactation stuff. I was like, I got this. I am going to be so good at this. And he didn't latch and I couldn't get him to latch. And it was horrible starting Mm. with lactation support and I felt like a failure and I was so I didn't have to exclusively pump but I felt like I had to because I gave breast milk to my first child and I was like I'm gonna do I can do it for my second I just it's at the expense of me but I'm just gonna do it anyway so the point is just because latching doesn't mean anything in terms of your um, bonding with your baby like if your baby latches or not 
It doesn't mean anything. If you choose to breastfeed your baby or not, it does not mean you love them any less. Like your baby needs a mom who is happy and can have space for them. And if you feel like breastfeeding is at the expense of your sanity or your body or your health or anything, like you don't have to do it. If you find someone who makes you feel really guilty for it, you try not to interact with them that much because they're not the parent. They're not the mom you are. So that's a big guilt. Mom guilt can carry very long into postpartum, like years, like forever, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that you are still a good mom on days that you feel like you didn't hold your baby enough or days that you just sat in front of the TV all day, snuggling your baby. Like you still loved your baby and your baby still feels loved by you and you are the best mom that they've ever had. So like they don't have anywhere to, you're doing a good job. That's what we try to remind our parents of too. I love that. Yeah. Especially, you know, I just remember like the whole, the whole phrase breast is best, you know, and it's like that fed fed is best, right? You're loving your baby. You're doing the best you can. And every, everything is going to be different with each family and each child. And, um, it's really good advice and something that needs to be on replay for people. All or nothing. That's another thing. And like that we alluded to earlier, like you can still breastfeed your baby and supplement them with formula. You don't have to kill yourself to make just enough for your baby. You can still do both and they still can get the benefits of the breast milk and the benefits of you having some spare energy for them at the end of the day. So it doesn't have to be either, or you're still breastfeeding your baby. If you feed them at the breast and you give them formula, you're still breastfeeding. So remember that. Yeah, definitely. This has been really amazing. (laughs) And I so wish that there were more support like this, like everywhere, you know, in the U S and, and, you know, around the world as well, because I would have definitely benefited from this. I know a lot of other moms and, and parents would have really benefited. So I'm like, so excited for the work that you and Meg are doing. And I want you to share, how can people find you? How can people reach out? So we are on Instagram at fourth try. So fourth, the word try foundations. It'll probably be in the show notes, right? And our website will be on there as well. We have a phone number. You can call or text. You don't have to really like call and talk to us because we have a lot going on, but you can literally text us questions. We also, we do our courses. So they're intended to be taken during pregnancy, a postpartum prep class with taking back your fourth trimester. That's the class we alluded to about the prep for postpartum and a baby care basics class. So it's like just a half an hour. It's really short, but it's all the bare minimum stuff you need for your baby. Like you could spend thousands of dollars on a registry, but you really need like a safe place for them to sleep a car seat, maybe like some suction, like little bulbs, some kind of suction. Like there's really not a lot you need for them. Diapers, right? You don't need a lot of things for baby. Like you need to know the basics of baby care and know where to turn to when you need to get other stuff or have to ask questions. And we do our one-on-one calls. So everything is on our website and our Instagram. We're pretty active on there. There's a lot of real life stuff on there. So if you need to like feel good on a day about how you're parenting, just head on over. And we have, um, very wild toddlers who are very opinionated. <laughs> nice. They keep better where they keep us humble. <laughs> yeah. 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 And because you're based out of New Jersey, you have some services that you could do across the U S is that right? You know, we're registered in New Jersey, but our services are, we're not your nurse for the class. We are providing general medical advice, not like anything specific. Um, so we can teach in anywhere in the country. Nice. That's awesome. So another thing that we can, we um, like to provide for new parents is what's called a postpartum planner planning tool. So it's a freebie that we have on our website and it's based, it's not really medically focused. It's just more 
self-care focused of all of the areas that you need to kind of focus on once baby is here. So getting fed baby and mom, getting rest. It's a good way to delegate to other people. Like we kind of talked about with the to-do lists and stuff, um, like your favorite takeout places and your order. So you can just kind of have it up on the fridge so you don't have to boss people around or know how to get support. Um, there's also going to be, there's, you can write the formula you use and where you can find it or a lactation consultant to reach out to. So all the stuff you can do during pregnancy. So you have it ready for postpartum and front and center is your more, hopefully more than one, but it's probably only just one postpartum follow-up check-in and when it is and where, so you can make the plan to get there because it's hard to get there with the little six week old baby sometimes. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's gold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And people, you can bring your baby to those things. Like you can bring your baby a lot of places. You can even bring your baby to get like a manicure. You know, it's up to you. You can bring your baby. You're the mom. Like you don't have to apologize for your baby as long as it's not a safety risk to them, which maybe some nail salons would be now that I changed my mind, but, um, (laughs) you never know. It depends on your place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can bring your baby a lot of places, including, and most certainly your six week postpartum checkup. Hey everyone, we hope you got something out of today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Love After Lullabies. And if you and your partner are interested in being in the show, we'd love to have you. Email us at loveafterlullabies at gmail.com. And also, we would really appreciate a like, subscribe, and even a share would be amazing. So she got burgers in her ears. Ha, ha, ha.